I asked Joel if he'd pick out a video. Might have been better if I looked at it first. <laughs> if you're a veteran in the United States Armed Forces or a family member of a veteran, would you please stand? thank you for your service. When that video first started, and it was bagpipes, I thought, oh, great. <laughs> there are scenes in that video that as, as a veteran, or the veterans, those of you who are veterans, some of those scenes would only mean something to you if you've been there, done that. But for those of you who were here at home waiting, there's a reason that we served. It was a call that God placed on our hearts to step up and protect this great nation. It's an honor to do that. And it's even more of an honor to see how many people take that freedom to worship God when, where, and how we want, especially on a snowy morning like this morning. So thank you for being here. I'm going to read our lesson this morning, which is Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. 
very serious message. And we're going to go over part of it several times this morning. But following in, in Scott's example, there's got to be a little bit of lightheartedness to this, too. So the message is more impactful. So here's the light, lighthearted part. Have you ever wanted to smell like Jesus? Well, you can laugh. That's all right. I doubt if any of us have ever given that much thought. But there is a perfume maker in California. <clears throat> I'll just let that fall where it falls. That promises exactly that. The makers of a, of a perfume called Virtue claim that if you wear their perfume, you'll, you will smell exactly like Jesus. Now, honestly, I'm not making this stuff up. They used the Bible as a guide to what kind of plants were used as perfume in the Holy Land when Jesus walked the earth. And scientists at that perfume company claim that virtue is a close approximation of what Jesus and his followers would have smelled like. It's, it's wait, it gets better. It's a sweet blend consisting mostly of apricot with a dash of incense and myrrh, which of course were given to the baby Jesus by the three wise men. And the cost is only a tithe of your monthly income. Everything that I've read about, about how people smelled, they didn't have body spray or deodorant or anything else. Um, I don't know whether I would have wanted to smell like anybody. Um, however, that's their claim that they can make you smell just like Jesus. Obviously, that's rather absurd, but it does lead us to a more profound thought by the writer Max Lucado. At the beginning of, of his book, Just Like Jesus, Lakato makes a statement which I think is quite important. God loves you just the way you are. But he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be like Jesus. Now, there's something you can take home today. God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way because he wants you to be just like Jesus. Not smell like Jesus, but be like Jesus. And sometimes I think we only hear the first part of that. God loves you just the way you are. And that suits us just fine. We want God to accept us just the way we are and then leave us alone. After all, change is a little uncomfortable, isn't it? We come to church and we sit in the seats and then we get up and go home uh, unchanged or unaffected by the message. Now, just so you know, we've got a 2 o'clock appointment here at church that I'll get into later on. So if you, don't, if you don't listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, you can come back to the second service 
hear the same message, listen to the same Holy Spirit, and then we can do it again, and we'll get done about 2 o'clock. So it's really up to you whether or not you want to listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit this morning. As long as God loves us just the way we are, we've got it made, don't we? Now I suspect Lucado is probably a little closer to the truth. The whole statement again, God loves you just the way you are. But he refuses to leave you that way because he wants you to be just like Jesus. St. Paul's message to the church in Philippi, and listen to his profound words. Actually, let me back up. Maybe St. Paul's message is to the church at impact. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same body, being one of the Spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And it's not an accident that I repeated those great verses from Philippians. Because the lesson this morning, the scripture this morning, needs to be heard and needs to be followed, needs to be acted upon. Paul in, is encouraging the people of Philippi, or maybe the people at impact, to live in harmony and humility, following the example of Christ. Be like Jesus, he's saying to them. Humble yourself as he humbled himself. And you remember, I hope, Jesus becoming a servant on the Thursday night that he celebrated the First Communion, his last meal with his disciples. And as the guys came in, he didn't offer them a little spray tube or atomizer of virtue. He actually got down on his knees, wrapped an apron around his waist, and washed their feet. Something that normally was relegated to the lowest servant in the household. But Christ... the Savior of humanity, my personal Lord and Savior, your personal Lord and Savior, got down on his knees, presented himself as a servant, and washed their feet. And what better example of servants, being a servant, could there be? The preacher and teacher Fred, Fred Craddock tells about going and visiting a church one time when he was supposed to hold services on Friday and Saturday evening and Sunday morning. When he pulled into the parking lot of the church, a funeral was just concluding. People were moving to their automobiles and the hearse was still there. 
The minister saw him and recognized him and motioned for him to come over. And Craddock, not wanting to intrude, would just kind of slowly made his way over to the pastor. And the pastor was standing next to the widow, and he introduced her to Craddock. Craddock felt a little awkward, and he said, This is no time for you to be meeting strangers. I'm sorry, and I'm very sorry for your loss. See, her husband had been killed in a car wreck and left her with four children. He said, I know this is a very difficult time for you, and she said, Yes, it is. So I won't be at the service tomorrow night, but I will be there. I won't be there tonight, but I will be there tomorrow night, and I'll be there Sunday morning. And like any caring person, Craddock said, oh, you really don't need to do that. And she said, yes, I do. And Craddock replied, well, what I meant was, I know this is a really difficult time. And she says, I know it's hard. It's already hard. But you see, this is my church. And they're going to see that my children and I are okay. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a funeral here at Impact. I think I've been to one or two. And those one or two funerals were where the family weren't believers, but they felt better having their loved ones service in a church. I've always found that very interesting that even though a family may not be a believing family, they want their loved ones service in a church. Maybe that's a little bit late. I've also been to several celebrations of life here at Impact, and there's such an amazing difference between a funeral and a celebration of life. Now, why is that? You see, when you're celebrating someone's life, they're usually talking about areas that that person served in. And they talk about how the people of the church, you, how that, what people did, how they've taken care of them during that time, praying with them, visits, meals, just being there with them, just standing beside them. Now that kind of brings up the whole point to this sermon, just in case you didn't think I had a point. And that's serving. And we have a host of areas, a, po a host of ways that you can serve right here at Impact. I was going to get a list from Vana, but I was afraid she'd give me a three-page list, <clears throat> which is, I think, pretty much covers how many ways we can serve here. But just to mention a few and, and not, this is in no particular order or area of importance, but you can be an usher, a greeter, prepare the communion. You can serve in Kids Home with Miss Debbie. You can work with the youth with Chad. You can, believe it or not, pick up trash or clean the toilets. Now there's a task that really isn't glorious, but it does need to be done, right? And as a sidelight, Guys, why is it that you can walk into a completely pristine restroom and 
you wash your hands, and you grab a paper towel, dry your hands, and you throw it in the trash, and there's paper towels on the floor. Have you ever noticed that? It's, it's so amazing. Don't know anything about the women's restroom. Don't want to know anything about the women's <laughs> restroom. But for the guys, there's always towels on the floor. What about just one little teeny tiny act of service and reach down and pick up that towel? You can even use another clean towel to pick it up with. I would. <laughs> and throw it away. That's kind of like cleaning the toilets. And we have people that do that here at Impact. And believe me, my heart goes out to those people. Because I don't want to do it. I have. And I've been told I didn't do it right. Okay. But the point is service. And who are you serving? You're serving someone else, but ultimately, who are you serving? You're serving our Lord and Savior. Today we've brought in bumper bags. You brought in bumper bags. Hopefully nobody left theirs by their bumper. If you did, raise your hand, and I will dismiss you to go get it now. Um, and later on, those bumper bags are going to go to the Little Chapel Food Pantry and divide. And that's an act of service. Why would we bring in a bag of food? What sense does that make? Thanksgiving's coming up. We're going to eat more than we should, watch more football than we should. Texas doesn't play, do they? Uh, anyway... We're going to visit as much as we can, but we brought in bags of food for those that are hungry, that need a little boost, need a little help. And again, who are we serving? The Lord, doing what He tells us. Later today, about 2 o'clock, as I alluded to early, earlier, sorry, we're going to meet out here in the foyer and make up food packets like we've done before that are going to go with our Mexico mission team to Mexico to help feed the hungry. Oh, and just so we don't forget, we've got a team of seven people, seven missionaries in Thailand right now as we speak, working with young ladies and trying to get them out of the sex trade. So... As you see, you can help. You can make a difference right here today by serving. You don't have to necessarily go to Mexico or Thailand if you're not called there. And there are others who have gone other places in the world. Kenya and Uganda. Thank you. Glad you're sitting up front. But there, and not to make light of that, but we do, as our missions board says, we serve from Teller County to Thailand and a lot of points in between. And we all have the opportunity to serve in one way or another. God is calling us all to service. 
to serve each other. And like I said right here today, there are several ways that we can do just that. You know, earlier we thanked the veterans because they served under the flag. We at Impact serve under the cross by serving each other. And I know that most veterans have served under the flag, uh, under the cross as well as the flag. And I know that more service probably happens outside of those doors than happens inside here on Sunday morning. Our mission statement, as we've got it written up here on the walls, is to love God, love people, and change lives. And we do that through learning more about Christ, discipleship, through serving others, through missions, and by taking his love outside those doors into the community. This is the way our church ought to function, and that's the kind of church I know we're trying to be. Something that Ronald Nicholson once wrote is, what is the quickest way to identify a great city? Almost everybody knows the Eiffel Tower and relates that to Paris. Rome has its Colosseum, London its Big Ben and the Tower Bridge, Moscow the Kremlin. Around the world, many cities have landmarks by which they are recognized. Even small towns and villages often have unique features that give them a special identity. <coughs> me. Other cities are known for what happens there. Los Angeles makes movies. But just leave that alone. <laughs> New Orleans has Mardi Gras. Even if it's only apple butter making days or the midwinter ice fishing festivals, communities identify themselves in distinctive ways. Then he asked the question, so what is it that identifies the Christian community? The church. What's the landmark that makes us recognizable to the world? And, of course, that's our loyalty to Christ, our love. Jesus said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Therefore, the identifying landmark in the church is love. What a great statement about the church and what it's meant to be. Have the same love, says St. Paul, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Think of others as more important than yourself. Don't look to our own interest, but use your talents given by the Holy Spirit to the interest of others. A healthy church is one where people look out for one another. Simon and Garfunkel had a song back in the early 70s that's become a classic. Anybody remember Simon and Garfunkel? Good, two people are as old as I am. <laughs> like a bridge over troubled waters. Some of you probably remember the lyrics. When you're weary, feeling small, when tears are in your eyes, I will dry them all. I'm on your side. 
when times get rough and friends just can't be found, like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. And that's kind of a pop version of John 15, 13, isn't it? No greater love has any man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. I think we could rewrite that just a little bit, not changing scripture, can't go there. We could say no greater love has any man or woman than this, that they lay down their lives for their friends. We saw at the beginning of the service a video to thank veterans. And you know, there's one group of veterans that's a little more near and dear to my heart. And I want to I wanna say a special thank you to them. It's a group of men and women who are pretty much forgotten. No parades, no lavish thank yous. And I know we've got a couple sitting here today. So if you served in the United States Armed Forces during the Vietnam era, I'd ask you to stand. And gentlemen, thank you. Welcome home. Those guys that stood up had each other's back. Now, if you say to someone now, I've got your back, what does that really mean? Well, it means that you'll be there for that person. You look out for that person. You'll help that person if they're in trouble. In the fire service, have to throw that in because I'm also a retired firefighter. But if you ask Mike Galvin or Sonny Brown or any other firefighters in here, they'll tell you that while they might not say those exact words, they do have each other's back. When they're crawling through a burning building with smoke so thick you can't see each other, you have to know that the next person up on that hose line is there to protect you and to get you out if anything happens. And that individual feels the same way. He needs to know that if anything happens to them, that you will get them out. That's having each other's back. Police are the same way. That person next to them has their back and they work together as a team with other first responders in our community the paramedics, the EMTs, to make our community safe. Now, it, it doesn't always pay real well to have each other's back, but that, that is one way to lay up treasure in heaven, isn't it? The testimony of Scripture is that God will always have our back and we're to have each other's back. God will always be there. He'll never leave us or desert us. Or as in the Simon and Garfunkel analogy, God is our bridge over troubled water. And we're to seek to be bridges for one another. That's the meaning of a Christian community. 
Now, our church here at Impact may not be the largest around. We, not, we may not give the same amount to missions or to reach out and to share the gospel and to share Christ's love with other people than other larger, more affluent churches. But we're still an extraordinary church as long as we will be there for one another, as long as we look out for one another, as long as we help out one another. Now, another good analogy, one that's near, another one that's near and dear to my heart, is a flock of geese making its way across the sky. No response. Everybody went to sleep. I figured at least one person would have a comment about that. Oh, really, as a goose flaps its... Oh, good. See? As a goose flaps its wings, it creates uplift for the birds that are following it. And by flying in a V formation... The flock actually adds 71% extra flying range simply by flying in a V. In the same way, church people who share a sense of community can help each other get where they're going more easily because they're holding each other up. And when a goose falls out of formation because they're sick or they have a problem, two or three other geese will drop back out of formation fly with that goose just to protect it. Now, hunters know and have seen that, but if you ever see a flock of geese flying from lake to lake, pond to pond, sometimes you'll see the big formation and sometimes a smaller formation of three or five or seven geese. And those are the geese that have dropped out of the formation, but still part of that same body. So those geese have fallen out to serve that single goose. That's what we should do. If a brother or sister is weak and falls out, we're to gather around that person and lift that person up. As they're flying, when the lead goose tires, it drops back information and another flies up to take that position. And this is kind of how leadership of a church could work. Now, Even though they might look a little bit alike, don't start calling Scott a goose. I'll get in so much trouble for that. But what we should be doing is sharing the hard tasks as we respect and protect each other's unique arrangement of skills. When we have skills, talents, capabilities, and resources, then we can hold each other up. We can encourage each other, right? Now, the geese flying information honk to encourage those up front to keep up the speed. And we ought to do a lot of honking here at Impact. Now, be careful that who you honk to. Maybe I should leave it alone. We just need to make sure that we're positive and encouraging to each other. Because in churches where there is encouragement, Production is greater, and individual empowerment results from that encouragement. Now, I wasn't going to say this, but I really think you need to know the reason behind this. You know, 
when you're looking at a formation of goose, geese, do you ever notice that one side, when they're flying, do you ever notice that one side's longer than the other? Now, maybe some of the hunters in here could explain to you what that is and why that is. But just to be honest with you, that's because there are more geese on that side. <laughs> Flying from California, I don't know. Now, a church family is to study the life of Jesus, says St. Paul, and to have the same love being one spirit in one spirit and of one mind. Don't do anything again out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Can you imagine what impact would be like if we took those words literally? Personally, I think we'd be like we are right now because I think we do take those words literally. We do put others first. We do serve others first. We do serve people of the community, Mexico, Thailand, that we don't know, probably will never see again. But we serve them first. I think we do a pretty good job. That doesn't mean we should cover ourselves with that special perfume and smell like Jesus, but it does mean we ought to live like him and serve like him. That means that the church ought to be willing to lay down its life in order to fulfill its mission. And who's the church? We are. Think that thought through for a minute. Do you know it's not our job to protect, protect the church? Some churches can become fixated on making sure the church survives. Our task is not survival, but service. Churches can become unwilling to take on controversial stands or issues because they might lose influential members. But we don't have that issue here at Impact. We talk through with individuals who have a differing, differing opinion or have other comments that they want to get out, different thoughts, because we're family. We're not like other churches. And I'm not saying other churches have their problems. I'm just saying that our, ch our focus is on family teaching and lifting up our family here at Impact so we can go out there into the world and truly share the word and the life and the love of Jesus Christ. We follow the signs the sign, its direction, that's outside those doors. <clears throat> There's no perfect people allowed. That's really the only prerequisite for coming in and having a seat where you're sitting this morning, just that you're not perfect. I wanted to pause there for a moment so if there are any perfect people, they'd leave. But I didn't see anybody rush to the back door. And that's good. And listen to the rest of St. Paul's words. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, 
who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Yeah, thank you. I put amen in parentheses. I thought, as God says, if there was ever a time for an amen, that's it. Because you're thanking God for the words that he gave St. Paul. To live like Jesus is to love and serve one another and to lay down our life for the world. That's to say that our mission is twofold. Love God with all our heart, mind, and soul. Again, what we have on our walls. And to love each other, our neighbors, as much as we love ourselves. There's a world of need outside the doors of this church. Now, if we look away, nobody's going to sue us. Not to worry about that. Nobody's going to know if we ignore that need. But God will. Think about that. God will know. St. Paul was writing to the church when he said that we're to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Our job is not necessarily to the church, although it is to each other. But as the church, we're bound to love and serve one another and be willing to lay down our life for those who are inside and outside the doors. Love for one another and love for the world is what it means to live like Jesus. Now I'm going to ask if you will please stand with me. And I'm going to invite you to come forward as we sing this song. And I'm going to do things, just change it up just a little bit this morning. I know the Holy Spirit is calling all of us to do something. So I'm going to ask you to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit and come forward and kneel here at the stage and thank him for the heroes that we saw stand earlier. I'm going to ask you to come and, and thank God for the first responders, the firefighters, policemen, EMTs, and paramedics that help keep us safe. I'm going to ask you to pray for direction from God to show you where you can serve here at Impact and outside the doors, where you can serve Him. He wants you to serve and He wants you to have each other's back. So I'm going to ask you to come. There'll be prayer teams on either side if you want somebody to pray with you or for you. 
All you have to do is just kind of walk that way and they'll come and, and pray with you. But like I said, I know the Holy Spirit is prompting all of us to do something. So follow the bidding of the Holy Spirit and come and ask him where you should be serving and how you should be serving. You come now if you're called.